The text for our sermon this morning is the gospel reading, the parable of the talents, in particular this verse, verse 29, for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's nice to be back among you. I do appreciate the time off and away. I was relaxing and uh, got to be out in the country away from everything, so I appreciate it. But indeed, it is even better to be back here uh, with you saints. But what a text to read at this time of year. As the end of the church year begins to creep up on us and Advent is only two weeks away, our green paraments, the colors are going to begin to change, very much like the leaves, like they have been outside. Up in Kansas, just about everything is brown and yellow. Here in Texas, there's still a little bit of green, but not much. Things are drying up. Things are turning brittle. But as the seasons begin to change, don't forget that nature is one of the ways that God teaches us. Remember that in nature, there there are sermons written. A time when God's word begins to align with nature is what we face as we focus on the end times. That's what today's reading is about. Just as the leaves dry up and they clue us in, the church calendar also says, hey, things are drying up. The world is sprinting toward destruction. It is brittle. It it only continues at the will of Christ. And when he decides to return, that's the end. Well, the end of this life, the end of toil, the end of sadness, the end of fall, the end of winter. Because for the Christian, there is hope. But remember, our hope is not in this world. Remember, this life is short. It's temporary. It is but just a wink in time compared to the eternity of spring, of life that we have with Christ. But don't forget to look out your window. It is fall and winter is approaching. The world is dying. Civilization is drying up. In these these last and evil days, civilization itself, our world is but a dried up skeleton of what God created in the Garden of Eden. Our world is dried up compared to what Christ promises us. The world is dry and hard compared to the spring that we have of forgiveness each time we come and return to Christ. Because the Christian is never lacking in this life. We are never without hope. We are always perpetually experiencing spring, new life and new hope. That is yours right now because Jesus is raised from the dead. Sin and death has nothing on us, while all the rest of the world, even nature, is sprinting towards death. 
you are carried into life. You are carried into hope. While the rest of the world laments and wonders, are we going to make it? The Christian has the sure and certain promises of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life even now. And our text reminds us of this. That we are the servants who've been given to and we have abundance even now. Our text today, Jesus says, well, it may look like things are drying up. You may even be tempted to think God is hard and dried, a skeleton of a God like dry bones. But Jesus in Matthew 25 is teaching us to have hope, to know that we never are lacking. And so Matthew 25, the immediate context is Jesus speaking about the end times because his cross is looming. His teaching and his lessons have become pretty intense because he knows his arrest is a mere couple of days away. Jesus is not preaching to the crowd so much in our context. He's teaching immediately and privately to the disciples. This is a lesson that he's giving to them because Jesus has been rejected by most people. They don't want to listen. Most have said no to Jesus' words. Most of the people, they, Jesus has kind of run his course. 30 years, and what have we gotten from him? Yeah, he's done a couple miracles, but I'm on to the next thing. And they've lost the lesson. They've lost perspective. They don't think that this life or this world is going to come to an end. They don't see the sermons in nature. They don't hear the warnings as Jesus was preaching. They said, no, thank you. I'm living my best life now, they said. Spring is now. My possessions, this world, they are my comfort. I'm more worried about what's happening right now in front of me than I am listening to God's word. You see, the people thought Jesus' preaching was dried up. His commandments were not seen as truth, but as hard, unloving very much like today. People in our day have no time for God's word. And the Christian church is shrinking every day, especially in our own nation. People who consider God dry, boring, they have no time for church. Even in their own homes, the word of God is absent. They don't want to gather together with other Christians those other Christians are dry. They're a skeleton of people. We need to be, we need to be self, we need to examine ourselves many times so that we are not seen as a skeleton of a people. Because our world is busy with dry things, and that's our temptation too. Things that don't give life. People love the dried up winter of sin and death but they don't see it. But you, dear Christian, have been given the Holy Spirit so you can see it. So you can see it even in your own life, and you can change. You can stop seeking the dry things, the winter things of this world, the things that, like the leaves, are here tomorrow, here today, and gone tomorrow. Those who ignore God's word do not see spring, do not see the hope 
the forgiveness of sins. But all they have is winter and death. But remember what Jesus said his word was, even to the woman at the well. She had become ingrained in a life of sin and death. Jesus said, I have a word of living waters, a perpetual fount, a water of life to keep you alive even if it looks like everything is dying, as if everything is dried up. So in our context, Jesus had only the ear of his disciples, but don't they also, aren't they also tempted to think that when Jesus is arrested and that he dies, that a perpetual winter has fallen? Didn't, weren't they tempted to think that death had won, that Jesus didn't have living water but was dead water, that he was a skeleton of a god? Perhaps maybe even in his grave, all they would find are bones. But that's the context for our reading today and why Jesus is intense. He's not talking about money. I mean, that's part of the lesson. But Jesus, our context today, before he's put on trial, Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God. That's what what it means at the beginning of the gospel reading when it starts off immediately and says, for it is like. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man who goes on a journey. A man who gives his possessions, his treasures, to his servants. The word Jesus uses is talents to describe these treasures. Now, this word talent, it it doesn't mean just like when we use the word talent, like you're talented at soccer or, or fishing or whatever. Now, it certainly can mean that. Talent really is anything that God gives us. And we know from the scriptures that everything we have is a gift from God. So you could even consider your cross as a talent. Those difficult things in life that you think God is being hard, God is being unloving, that's a talent. Now, this also, this word talent as many sort of take this reading to mean to talk about money. Well, it it can, right? And in our lesson, it's used, this is a word for money. But it's not just that. It isn't just money. It's about the character of God. A talent is a weight of money, an amount of money. The man gives his servants his treasures And they've done nothing to deserve it. Just up, master says, I'm leaving. Here. Here is some talents. So the question is, how how much? How stingy is this master, this boss, this, this authority figure? Well, a talent is the equivalent of 6,000 days of pay. One talent is worth 17 years worth of work with inflation taken into account. How would you like to receive that on your first day of work? Your boss comes up to you and says, here's 17 years worth of pay, and I've also figured inflation. You're never in the negative. The master is beyond generous. You've done nothing. You show up 
And he says, 17 years. That's one talent. A talent is, is an amount of pay. The kingdom of God is, is not like the talent, but the kingdom of God is like the man who gives the talent. The point of the parable is the master. The talents are important. But the point is, what is the kingdom of God like? What is this parable teaching us concerning God? And why does Jesus teach it right before he's arrested? Well, like the various slaves, we are tempted to doubt God when things look dry. The disciples, they would doubt Jesus when he's arrested and crucified. They were fearful. They didn't believe Jesus could do what he said he would do. They doubted his word. And in our story, there are three slaves, but if you notice, there's really only two categories of slaves. There is the faithful, right? You saw that word twice. That word is used for the faithful slaves, the faithful servants. And then the third servant, slothful, unfaithful. The first two slaves, they trusted the goodness of the master's pay. It's adequate. It's more than adequate. It's good. It's better than good. It's so good, in fact, they know it's going to produce more. They trust what they've been given to be good because they believe their master's trustworthy. He's a fount of blessing. He's generous. He gives not just what is needed, but he gives in excess. They can risk it all because they know they have nothing to lose. But the third slave is, that's the one who we're tempted to be like. To be fearful and to think that there is lacking in what God gives to us. To think that this master, God, cannot be trusted. But back to the talent. So if a talent is not just money, what is it? Well, talents are whatever God gives you. It can be your vocation. The place where God has placed you in your life as a husband, a wife, a mother, father, a single person. All of these are talents that God has given you. Are you a son or daughter? Are you a member of the church? What gifts has God given to you to be faithful with? Do you disdain these callings? Do you think God hasn't given you what you need? Do you think God, like this third servant, do you think God is a hard man? He doesn't give you enough to be involved. As, as, as a member of your family, are you more interested in what's happening in Washington, D.C. than in your own household or your own family members or even your own church? Are you more concerned with gossip? Or you heard from Thessalonians, what did St. Paul say should happen amongst the church in Thessalonica? As the days are drawing near, he says, build each other up. Is it easier to tear down? I know it is. But no, we are called to not tear down and talk about the dryness and the lack that somebody else has and point out the weakness of their talents. But we are to enrich one another. 
family, church, friends. Or even, yes, talents can be money. Yeah, sure. Do you love your money as if it's your source of life, that that's your fount of living water? Does gold or dried up paper, dried up leaves, cash, right, money? Is that, that which you put in your wallet and sit on, <laughs> is that worthy of your fear and trust more so than God? Or a digital number on your cell phone in your account? Do you look at that more than you look at the word of God? Are you worried that your stocks and your bonds, mutual funds are getting low? What about your knowledge of God's word? How does that rank? Where is that number? Is it higher than it was last year? Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. But the third slave, you keep hearing me repeat this word dried up, talking about the leaves and bones. There's a reason I do that, and it's because of what the third slave says. He says something that should get our attention. He says, in answer to his master, his generous master, he said, I consider you a hard man. Well, in Greek, that word is skeleton. I consider you to be a skeleton of a master. You're hard and dried up. That's why the English translates it hard, because it's like a bone. There's no life. Master, you have nothing of worth. You're stupid. You're wasteful. You demand more than anyone can do. You reap where you did not sow. You gather where there is no seed. Was the slave right? That third slave, was he right? Does God demand more from you than what he gives? Well, in one sense, God does demand from you. And he does demand more, more than you can make for yourself. God demands perfection. God demands a righteousness that is greater than the scribes and Pharisees. God accepts nothing but perfection. In that way, the third slave was right. But you see that third slave who'd been given 17 years worth of pay with inflation figured in. He never saw the free gift as enough. He was embarrassed at his master. So what did he do? He hid it. He didn't use it. He did not believe the master and his talents to be good. He wanted the approval of the world. He wanted to appear wise in the eyes of men who would say, well, you need to be worried about the bottom line. It's all about money. You should be embarrassed at your master. Did you not see everybody else got more than you? You know you only have 17 years worth of pay. That's not good enough to trust him. The third slave didn't see that God always, in Jesus Christ, gives more than what he demands. God demands perfection, yes, but he gives that in his son, Jesus. By faith in the good gift of Jesus' life and death on the cross, there is God's gift that never runs out. There is forgiveness in life itself. And when you begin and you look at your life first through the lens of the gift of Jesus Christ, when you begin by faith 
and look and see what God gives you, then you know you will never lack in anything. You know when you have Jesus, there is nothing that God will withhold from you. In Jesus, we have all things. Christ Jesus gives us riches beyond measure. God does not give meager crumbs of goodness. In baptism, he completely covered you in his son's holy and righteous blood, cleansing you from all your dried sins, all of your doubts. All the times, instead of building one another up, we've we've torn each other down. He's rescued you from all worry. He's redeemed you from jealousy and doubt. Jesus' forgiveness for you disdaining or not being happy with your vocation, that talent where God has placed you to serve. He's forgiven you your bitterness for thinking he shortchanged you. Your thinking that your, your master who's purchased and won you from sin, death, and the devil has only done that so that he can shortchange you. No, he's, he hasn't just given you 17 years of pay with inflation figured in. But he's given you eternal life. He's given you a fount of blessings, forgiveness that will never run out. Because your Savior, when everyone thought he would be a dried skeleton of a Savior, they thought his, his bones would be there in the grave. He returned from the dead. He went to the realm of skeletons where they rule. And he was not even corrupted in death, but death was defeated. He returned from the dead on Easter. He shows that he always returns. He doesn't leave us. Because you see, Jesus is given talent from his father. He's given talents. He was given his life. He was given everything in the world. And he invested in you by giving it all up. He took what God gave him in his life so that he may pay that to redeem you, to purchase you. And you may not think you're worth much, but to God, you are his treasure. So much so that he gives his life. And he's going to return again. And he will ask you to give an account of what you've done. Have you feared, loved, and trusted in God above all things? Now's the time. The earth is drying out. Look at your own life. You're not as young today as you were yesterday. Today could be your last day. Today your account is full. Today in God's eyes, he's blessed you with a treasure in his son Jesus. He gives you holiness to be received by faith. He puts in your mouth the very body and blood of Jesus. Because for to everyone who has been given he will have an abundance. You've been given, my friend. And did you notice that the ones who had faith, who were faithful, when they were called to give an account, none of their doubts were brought up. None of their sins were remembered. So is the case for you. There's no room for doubt. There's no room to believe that God is a skeleton of a God, that he's hard that he's dry. He, our Lord Jesus Christ, is a spring of living water. So if you've been that third slave, you are forgiven. Jesus gives to you again and again. 
He gives talents and gifts even to unbelievers, but they, they consider them embarrassing. They consider God's word boring. They consider Sunday school and Bible study a waste, a dried up time. They won't invite people to church because they're embarrassed. But for those who hunger and thirst, those who rejoice where God has called them to serve, whether rich or poor, married or single, many children or no children, a heavy cross with much suffering, or suffering that is short. To all of you, he has given an eternal life of abundance. The parable is about the character of God. He loves you. He desires you to live with eyes and faith, to invest in what he's given you, because you cannot lose. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.